how many of us are educated in formal education and we're taught that we are energy? We're not taught that, nor are we taught that life is about what we smell, what we feel, what we see, what we hear. And so when I read about energy, I thought, wow, this is fascinating. And the fact that there's acupuncture points that you can access what we're really made of, which is this invisible stuff called energy. It was not only fascinating, it made sense to me. On some level, I thought this is the truth. Welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio, a podcast sharing stories and wisdom from experts in the fields of holistic wellness and sustainable living. I am your host, Todd Howard. As the show's guests demonstrate, by doing small acts to embrace more mindful living, we can positively impact our communities. Judy Becker Worsley has been a devoted student of Professor J.R. Worsley since 1973 and was designated by J.R. to succeed him as master of the lineage upon his death. Prior to his death, they founded the Worsley Institute, which is dedicated to the preservation and promotion of the Worsley five-element acupuncture tradition that is rooted in natural law. Joining Judy in this episode is David Berkshire, president of the Worsley Institute, located in Portland, Oregon, where David also has a busy clinical practice. Judy shares with us her quest to find something more meaningful in life than her law studies, which led her to England in 1973 to find her mentor in JR and eventually her life partner. We talk about the five element system of acupuncture that he created, his unparalleled clinical acumen, and his genius for understanding and integrating many forms of medicine. Fundamental to the Worsley system is the mastery of the sense organs, and David and Judy discuss the reawakening of the senses, especially smell, but also sight and hearing. We also explore the spirit of the acupuncture points, which JR devoted much of his life to understanding and mastering. And now Judy and David also work extensively to preserve and expand upon this ancient knowledge. There is so much to explore of the history and impact of J.R. Worsley and the Worsley system that we only scratch the surface in this episode. We expect more episodes to follow. Please enjoy this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Judy Becker Worsley and David Berkshire. Jude and David, welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us here. It's a pleasure to have you, and thanks for sitting down with me today. I, I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about many things related to five-element acupuncture, since you uh, you are both involved with the very heavily involved with the Worsley Institute. So perhaps we can just start with a kind of an overview of what the Worsley Institute is, if you guys don't mind. Sure, I'm happy to start with that with just an introduction of myself in relationship to the Worsley Institute. Um, I'm David Berkshire and I've been president of the Worsley Institute since 2016. And the Worsley Institute's mission as a nonprofit organization is to preserve and promote the system of medicine that J.R. Worsley shared with so many people and Judy has continued as the lineage holder of the of the system of medicine to share with the world worldwide and so we've got members internationally Australia England Ireland throughout Europe as well as the United States Canada and um, Israel Israel yes so we're Arabia. Scandinavia, <laughs> can't miss anything. And um, it's really, um, we're going to hear later, Judy, talk a lot about what this system of medicine is that JR shared with us, but it really is a, a pleasure to be able to share it um, through the Worsley Institute. And that's our main mission. So what type of services or opportunities do you offer for people through the Institute? The Institute has a pretty robust website that you could say is, is educational in its focus, um, which holds a number of videos of JR speaking about things, everything from the concept of a unique individual 
to um, the law of the five elements, the law of husband wife, and some point location videos. In addition to that, we have an ongoing ebook that we are continuing to update and publish on the spirit of the points. And that's a really special um, offering to our members. And it, it's a, a team of, that includes Judy, myself, and a few others that work basically every other week we meet and we got, continue to look at the points um, and share what the, the main essence and resource that that point has, which we term the spirit of the point. And in addition, we also have continuing education programs through the Worsley Institute. And those continuing education programs are basic training for people in the states that have graduated from uh, TCM school or other style of um, Chinese medicine. And their interest is to train in Worsley Five Element. And they spend over a year um, really taking a deep dive and learning all the fundamentals and working up to being the, bringing that back into their practice as um, successful practitioners of Worsley Five Element Acupuncture. And then we have advanced training and specifically the Master Apprentice Program, the MAP. And MAP is a program that JR and Judy began that maybe Judy, you wanna just share a little bit about MAP. Um, rather than me giving the history, the, the rundown of it. Um, but it is an important educational program that JR realized that we needed to be able to continue to share this lineage. Okay, well, I'll, I'll keep it in a nutshell as much as I can. In 1996, um, JR, after having taught and practiced for 40 something years, had a pretty catastrophic heart attack and it was a turning point as 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 his partner I could see he, he took a deep breath and realized that he had to make clear provisions for how he wanted to leave his legacy so one of the provisions he made was the Worsley Institute he and a mem few of the members from this master apprentice program set up the institute which is a not-for-profit um it's, it's a not-for-profit company filed in America. And he started the Master Apprentice Program because I remember saying to him after I discussed his prognosis with his cardiologist, Jer wasn't there, but the cardiologist said to me, I don't know how he's still alive. He's, he's living on goodness knows what because his heart really took a beating. Um, if he's lucky, he'll live five years but that's unlikely. I never said that to JR, but what I did ask him is, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And his answer was, I'd really like to work with practitioners who have got the message and want to develop their understanding in a deeper way. And he said, I think I've done my bit teaching entry-level students and students who want to question things because he, he came from a background where his masters, you didn't question them. That was considered an insult to an Eastern teacher. They taught you what they felt you needed to know and you didn't challenge or question them. So JR had four decades of dealing with Americans and Brits and, you know, we're just a different culture. So um, different, meaning different to the Eastern culture. So um, he said, I want to, I want to work with practitioners who are dedicated and committed to developing. And I said, you, it sounds like you want apprentices. So hence master apprentice program was born and he invited 35 practitioners. There was about 35 who joined the first class. The policy was 100% attendance. If you didn't attend one, then that meant you had withdrawn from the program. And indeed he lived for another seven plus years, very actively. So he outperformed the numbers and he left a legacy um, with, the, the, with the Master Apprentice Program, the Worsley Institute. And 
David referred to his greatest, the jewel in the crown is his work on the spirit of the points. He, he wanted to leave a book. We were in the middle of writing a book. And I, I actually decided that I didn't want to commit to a written book because it means once it's committed on paper, you can't evolve it. So that's why having it online means we can keep developing and evolving it, which is what we do based on his teachings. So, so I, I, did I answer yeah. the question? Yes, that's wonderful. Can you talk a bit more about the Spirit of the Points book? Is that something that is complete and now it's just in the ongoing evolution process or are you still working through the points? It'll never be complete because it's an evolution. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've, we've rotate, is it called rotating? We've worked our way through the points, the whole, the whole 360 something points, at least two or three times. And every time we go through them, we see how our, we could tweak the language or define things in a different way. So we've, we're distilled constantly distilling. And also we've had the great pleasure of working with a gentleman named Heiner Fruhoff, who is a, um, academic in Oregon, Chinese scholar, really. Yeah. Heiner's and been he on had, the podcast. Oh, has he? Well, Heiner, yeah. Heiner and I enjoy doing, what are they called? Uh, webinars. They're not podcasts, they're webinars. And I think Heiner is fascinated by the fact that his knowledge, which is very scholarly, is in complete compatible relationship with what J.R. taught. Jer was not an academic or a scholar. So he's fascinated how Jer's understanding um, about the spirit of the points is so rich and, and, and clear. So, and I'm fascinated with how the Chinese, the ancient Chinese were so deeply and intimately um, aware of the natural order. So the spirit of the points are basically a understanding of what each point, the gift of each point. So each of the, each of the points on the meridians on our body have multifacets. They're used in some systems in a very um, connected way to symptoms or to immediate relief or to syndromes or to patterns. And they also have this other level based on the name of the point, the Chinese name called the spirit of the point. And it, the Chinese were very ironic. They, they could point to something and it, for instance, a, a name might be called crooked path. And it could be because it's at a crooked area anatomically on our body, but also ideologically, philosophically, and in terms of the spirit of the point, it also refers to the fact that our lives have crooked turns in them. Each of us is a unique individual and our path is not a straight line. So there's these different levels. So the spirit of the point when we're treating somebody is what the gift of that point can offer when you're treating somebody because I think you already know, but I'll mention it again, that we, we are treating the cause of the disease. We're, not, we're, we're aiming to go to the root of somebody's, the source and the root cause of why somebody's suffering. And the, um, if, if you are able to address that clearly and deeply, then nature, the natural order will be restored. And that is what cures the person. So we assist nature, we're instruments of nature. And in order to do that, we do have to understand the gift of the point beyond just its um, casual relationship with, with the meridians. Does, does that explain anything yeah, about the spirit of the points for it you? It does. So with the spirit of the points, as many acupuncturists would know and understand the points as you said dude are so much more than just what we may consider them from a more western approach because we have this kind of way of stripping things down and to just kind of the distill it into 
some functional components. And in doing that, as we've done, let's use pharmaceuticals in a, as an example, as we've stripped down the plant material into a pharmaceutical drug, we're missing out on a lot of the synergistic benefits that come from that plant. And I, I find it's a similar, uh, similar thing with acupuncture points, that we can use them just from a, a very westernized perspective. But in doing that, we do miss out on the more holistic approach that is really amplified when we look at the spirit of the points. Brilliant. That, uh, oh, that's, okay. you said it in a stunning way. Thank you. Yeah, that was oh, very good. Very clear. Great. And so with that, as you use Crooked Path, sometimes there are not just two levels, one being the anatomical description, the other being maybe the physical effect or the emotional impact or the metaphorical impact. But sometimes I find there's like three or four or five different levels that can be dug into when we really start to look at the spirit of the points. For you guys, as you're going through this amazing process and thank you so much for doing this i feel like it's such a, a gift to practitioners to have this important information cataloged and meditated on so thoroughly and constantly evolved because as you said it's there's just there's more and more and more that we can discover every day when it comes to using acupuncture points so and thank you very much for doing this work and as it's you a guys pleasure. Going... It's actually my, my development and my evolution to do it. It's challenging. That's why I said yeah, we're sure. never done. It's yeah. It's it is a challenge to keep digging deeper. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and as listeners who aren't acupuncturists may not be aware that the acupuncture points that have been largely described through Chinese literature, although we use some points that aren't aren't um, ancient points. Some of them are quite modern, but most of the ancient points, they do have a beautiful name that is a story in itself told through the Chinese characters that depict that name. And just in that alone is a whole wealth of information and wisdom. And when we translate it into English, when we translate into Crooked Path, Already in that process, we're losing a lot of the depth Correct. and yes. the elegance of the points. So I'm I just... picked a funny example. There's also Heavenly Well or Penetrating Heaven or Spirit Burial Ground where the, you can resurrect that part of the person that's not conscious of being spirit. There's just so many other, every point has its own gift. But you know, they're, they're connected to the official so you've got them, the points lay on a meridian, but we also are aware of the fact that every meridian is associated with what's called an official, which has an, a function. So nature has provided that official who is ordained to be responsible for certain areas to keep us um, alive and well. Nature's given gifts to the official, resources. And these resources, um, sometimes aren't available. So we as instruments of nature, when called upon, can actually assist the official to do its job. But we've got to listen carefully because what's so common is we as Westerners want to jump on a, um, another way of thinking like you were referring to before. And it's so easy to get caught up in an, a kind of pigeonholing or putting people in boxes or putting symptoms in boxes. And the beauty of what JR was teaching is that people are unique and we can't be boxed up and we can't be categorized. And we, we are not personalities only. We're not, we're, we're, we're a, an integrated whole of many, many facets. So it's, well said. it's yeah. So it's, it's, it's fascinating. Where are you guys finding a lot of the information that you're putting into this wonderful Spirit of the Points book it, are, is a lot of this, I presume, from ancient Chinese texts? Are you no. also none of it is never read an ancient text? Wow, neither did JR. Okay, I, I'm, I'm not bragging, but it's I'm admitting it, and yep. that is what's what I was trying to explain before about Heiner's Heiner, work. yeah, yeah, that 
he he's fascinated that J.R. never read texts really but he, it's like it's almost like saying to somebody where in the bible did you read about knowing god you don't have to read scripture to know god or to have a relationship with god do you or with spirit so J.R. one of his um gifts was that he had a a deep conscious uncompromising intimate relationship with spirit he, he just was lucky he was blessed and the the ancient texts are not the source of wisdom they're they're one way of recording certain people's interpretation of wisdom but it's not the ultimate source the texts are not the ultimate source the ultimate source is nature and being in a relationship with nature the bible another form of scripture is not the ultimate source although that some people may not agree with that it's it's a form of of transcribing certain understandings of creation so i don't i don't it is not necessary that you cite sources in books in order to know spirit or to be conscious of spirit so jr took took his his what he was taught by his masters because it's an oral tradition for for one thing he was taught by masters who were not preaching from scriptures they were pre preaching from their relationship with the natural order that's what they taught him and that's how he taught us so now david david is well versed in the text so i find it fascinating working with david because i in my very late years in life am beginning a a journey of academic understanding of what the texts hold but i don't rely on it i'm just fascinated by it i'm fast i'm fast what it does is it it even i didn't know that i'd be even more fascinated with chairs um uh, gift, but I am more fascinated. Like, how did he know this? And he knew it from the inside. And he knew it from what he was, he was pointed to by his, his masters. So the texts attempt us to attempt to point us to something, but they're not the moon. They're pointing to the moon. Correct. David, you wouldn't think that say that the texts are the moon, are they? That's not no. the ultimate no. destination. The ultimate destination is to know yourself and to discover who you really are. And that's what we offer to, other, to the people we're treating for them to discover that who they are is peace and well-being and freedom. And that's what the texts are teaching us, aren't they? They talk about the balance of heaven and earth and man in between and woman in between. And it's all very beautiful, but the bottom line is it's meant to reveal reveal to us the beauty of what we've been given judy what with jr's understanding because a lot of the time when we are doing the work with spirit of the points a significant amount of um foundational information came through you working and observing jr in clinic working with patients Correct. and that in reflection of looking at the characters and the official, as you mentioned earlier, it does start to help us hone down to what, what is this gift that this point has. How did, given that JR was given, let me rephrase that, JR's was unique in the 1950s and 60s, I imagine there were very few acupuncturists talking about spirit of the points and looking at the point name. And so he, he has some unique insight in a way. Let's go back to the beginning. I, yeah. I mean, I, Jair was human. He was not perfect. So I don't want to sound like I have this like blind, passionate um, love of someone who was flawless. He was a flawed human being like the rest of us. But he also had this incredible history. 
he was born into a very poor working class, ordinary family in Coventry. He had no background and no initial exposure to academia or um, rising above his station in life. His siblings were all very ordinary people, but Jair was not that ordinary. Even at the age of 11, he took exams in England, which determine your destiny. Even to take those exams, he was already showing extraordinary talent in some way because the destiny for working class children in the, in the let's see, he was born in 23, the age of 11. So this would have been in the 30s. The destiny is that you finish school at the age of 14 and you go to the factory. You work in the factories or you have a menial job. That was JR's destiny. That's what his parents did. That's what his siblings did. Jared took this test at the age of 11, and he not only was offered the test, he passed it. He was given a place in an elite private school called King, King Henry VIII School outside of Coventry. But he couldn't go because his parents couldn't afford the, the books and they couldn't afford the uniform. So he graduated when he was 14 and went and worked in the factory. But while he was working in the factory, he studied osteopathy part-time and eventually got his degree. He studied naturopathy and eventually got his degree. By the time the World War II came, he was working in the streets of Coventry at the age of 16 as a St. John's Ambulance um, rescuer because Coventry was being blitzed. So he showed this natural inclination to want to help people. And in, when he was in the military, he, they, they put him into the education corps as a teacher because again, he was shining as somebody who had skills. And then when he came out of the, the army and was married, he continued his passion for natural healing and eventually went to the East and found masters and was determined determined to learn what he could and his real love what he felt his soulmate was five element acupuncture he studied tcm he studied osteopathy he was a practicing osteopath he was a practicing naturopath he was a practicing acupuncturist and his love that he never ever um fell out of love with was five element because of the because of the intimacy with natural the natural order he, he called it a way of life. And it wasn't a way of working, it was a way of life. Um, and he loved it also because of the depth of it, that it, the levels, as you know, we, we have body, mind, and spirit. And we don't just treat somebody's body, we treat them on levels. So we diagnose and treat depending on whether somebody is mental level or spirit level. So there you are. So I, I, I'm not praising Jr. as this in, flawless person, but he, he did have extraordinary gifts, and he, he did have an extraordinary destiny, and he lived it with great passion. Oh, thank you for sharing that. It's, he, it's he fascinating. Was a, he was. He it is. He is a. He was a fascinating man. I, I did not fall in love with him as a partner or a lover. I fell in love with him as a person, first and foremost. If you can imagine, I had been looking for an acupuncture teacher for six months. I, went, I traveled to California. I, I was in law school unhappily, very unhappily. It was a default decision because my mom had died and my I was going to stay with my dad and I needed to go to school. So I just enrolled in law school and disliked it intensely, but somehow magically encountered acupuncture. So I decided I was really fascinated, went to California and tried to find a teacher and nothing. Judy, what year was this? 72. Nothing clicked. And then I was traveling back and I heard about this man in England called J.R. Worsley. So I, on speculation and with an encouragement from the person who recommended him, this doctor in St. Louis, um, he said, go. He's, he said, he's, he's, he, this 
person, Marcy Goldstein, who's a, um, pra a practicing surgeon in St. Louis, where I went, to, I went to Washington University, and I had heard about Marcy and called him and said, I hear that you're studying acupuncture. He said, not yet. I met this man in California at Esalen. He's pretty amazing. And I'm enrolled in the first class in England. Call me in September. So I called him and he said, go. So I said, okay. And I flew to England in, in April of 73. And as I told David, in the morning session, I was looking at my watch thinking, I, if I'm lucky, I can get the plane tonight out of here. This is another dead end. I didn't like what I was experiencing, but I didn't, ex JR hadn't been with us yet. He had sent other people in to talk to us and I just didn't find it interesting. And he walked in and within three minutes, yes, I, I knew there was something special here. And I tried to explain to David, but the dazzle of having somebody come in who looked like they were he was dressed like military fashion with a starched collar that looked like it would cut your neck off. It was so starched and a tie impeccably tied and a short haircut and just so immaculately groomed and polished shoes and a suit. He looked like he was ready for a military, you know, presentation. And he started talking about spirit and helping people and humility and how we're, here to serve each other and that we're brothers and sisters with the same father heavenly father and the same earthly mother. and i was dazzled i and he said this is not a profession this is not a a, a work that you're going to be doing this is a way of life and you are blessed to have the opportunity to serve other people and to be instruments of nature and just the way he spoke was so authentic he spoke from his heart and he was he meant it and I, and I'll, a lot of other people were dazzled. And he's not a perfect man. Some people can't, can't tolerate that teachers also are fragmented human beings, flawed human beings, less than perfect human beings. But the dazzle that he showed us never faded. That light he, he transmitted was, um, was, was extraordinary. So um, I forgot what the question was, and I hope I answered it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I don't didn't. even I don't remember either. But that was a I, I was just caught up in the story. It's such an amazing story. Thank you for that. I have a lot of questions that come from it, and I guess in no particular order. You mentioned you were studying law in the early '70s and weren't enjoying it, and you felt drawn to acupuncture. How did acupuncture even come into your awareness? That's the, well, the first of all, I, when I graduated from Washington University, I was I was already kind of eccentric. While my friends in university were partying and buying clothes, I was saving money because all I wanted to do was go to Europe. So the day I was free from university and I, I never liked school that much. I went to Europe and I was on the road traveling for about 15 months. And when my dad telegrammed me because in those days you didn't have cell phones or even phones you you had telegrams or letters that my mom was really literally dying i got on the next plane and came home and she died two weeks later and she was a lawyer unusually because she was one of one women out of about 280 students they they didn't have women lawyers in the 50s but anyway i said mom i'm gonna go to law school she said it's not for you <laughs> And it's one of the many times I didn't listen to my mother and regretted <laughs> it. But I, I, I enrolled in law school because I knew I wanted to stay with my dad and I needed to stay with him until he was um, settled into his new chapter in life. And I did not like law school, but I was fortunate to meet a teacher. Well, I more than met him. I dated him and he was a philosophy teacher and he also taught yoga. And in his house on his bookshelf was this book by Felix Mann on acupuncture. And I opened it and I'm not going to say I fell in love with the book, but what I fell in love with or what caught my eye was the word energy. And that's the first time in my life that I thought, now that makes sense. How many of us are educated in formal education and we're taught that there's, that we are energy. 
We're not taught that, nor are we taught that life is about what we smell, what we feel, what we see, what we hear. And we're, we're taught it's, it's a very academic, linear kind of way of knowing the surface of life. And we kind of paddle around on the surface layer of life, trying to make ourselves safe and okay. And it's, it, it just always felt like a very futile way of living. So when I read about energy, I thought, wow, that makes that, this is fascinating. And the fact that there's acupuncture points that you can access what, what we're really made of, which is this invisible stuff called energy. It was not only fascinating, it made sense to me. On some level, I thought this is the truth. What is not the truth is that we're here to crawl around fighting for survival, fighting for security, trying to somehow exist in this world, this, this rather strange world where it's what you, your status that matters or whether you're liked or whether you're not liked or whether you've said the right thing or the wrong thing, you know, all those neurotic things that we grow up with. Or maybe you didn't, but I certainly did in, in school. So it, none of that made sense to me, but it's the energy. So that, that's when I went, I took the summer between my second and third year of law school and traveled to California looking for a teacher and went to many, many places, but wasn't really captivated. And then um, when I heard about England, I just thought I'm not even going to finish law school, but I had one semester left and I was talked into finishing never looked back, never practiced, didn't take the bar, just got the letters and left, much to my dad's disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's the best thing I ever did. And when I met JR and heard, listened to him, I just thought, this is, this is amazing. This is wonderful. Not he's amazing, but what he's pointing to. And I think if you can stay detached, you, you don't lose the, the, the message from the teacher. And believe me, I wasn't detached a lot of the time. I'm, we got married. We had our own tangles at times, but we, we, we dealt with them. So it wasn't a perfect journey by any means. But um, if, if you can remember the message and the message, I mean, Gerald just kept, he never, he never fell out of love with being in love. And with, in with all of his passions for medicine from osteopathy to naturopathy to acupuncture how did he get exposed to five elements by traveling to the taiwan and to korea and he had teachers from japan and korea and chinese masters who had fled mainland china went to, to taiwan and he met with them regularly sometimes in europe and apparently, I, I mean, I wasn't even, I, maybe I was just born. Yeah, I, I would have been a small child. A, according to um, one of the people he traveled with to, to, to Taiwan, he said Jair was incredibly determined to figure out what these teachers were pointing to. He, it was hard for them to get the Western mind to focus into what the message was. And the message was nature is pointing to the cause of the person's imbalance. If you're willing and humble enough to listen and to pay attention, but it's another world. We are not taught in the West to smell each other. We're almost taught to not smell. So we're the, one of the few animals that doesn't that has turned off our sense of our, our gift of following our nose. But in five element acupuncture, it's, it's a primary lead, the odor of a person. And it not only is a primary lead, but according to Deepak Chopra, the olfactory sense actually switches our neurology on. And JR never said that to us. He didn't teach us why, but he used to say odor first. Don't, don't get involved in your minds trying to figure out what's going on until you first experience the odor. And I don't know why he said that. I don't even know if he knew why academically he was saying that. 
but he was very insistent on that. And, and Deepak Chopra explains it in one of his books that, it, that it's the only sense that goes directly to the reptilian brain that activates our emotional center. So JR knew it, but he didn't know it in a taught way. He knew it experientially. I remember once we had a clinical in, in um, the college in Leamington and the, 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 his school, he took in about hundred students a year and he, there was four classes a year of about 20, 23 to 27 students. And he had 24 treatment rooms down a hallway. And I remember we, the way I learned best was by being with him. I didn't learn by the academics, but I learned by constantly being by his side for 30 years. So I was with him this one day and I said to him, why are you so different in each room? Because he'd open the door and his approach to the person would be unique. Sometimes he'd be jolly, he'd start off with a joke, or sometimes he'd be somber, sometimes he'd be slow or fast, or it, very serious, very flippant. It just was, it varied. And he'd go, well, darling, you open the door and you see the person and the odor tells you what, you're already halfway there, diagnosing them before you even open your mouth. And I was like, oh, okay. It made me realize what I was missing. So that's, if you're, a con if you're in a conscious state, that's what's available to you. It, and, it, and it bypasses our intellectual brain where we have to try to, this is why we just don't engage, we, we, our work is to not engage in the intellectual associations. And it's to actually actively avoid the temptation to draw associations that describe people. Like somebody does X, Y, and Z because they're fire or because they're fire, they do X, Y, and Z. We actively avoid that because what you're doing is you're taking yourself out of a conscious state where the information from the person is available to you because you're now intellectualizing. But it's very tempting to intellectualize because it's more secure. And we're all as Westerners raised with this craving for security and for um, assurance that we're okay. And I don't know about other people's education and families, but a strong thread in my family was that you're okay if you're right, if you've got it right or if you bring good grades home from school, you know, you get, you get a lot of praise for that. So we're, we're sort of conditioned into that streak of performing and getting it right. So to be thrown into a, a, a world where you are living in the unknown, when you walk into a patient, the way JR talks, you know nothing. You don't know anything about the person. You can read the, the summary, but you, it doesn't tell you anything. And if your mind starts to try to jump onto a diagnosis, we actively move away from that. So it's being present, present to the person. And then the information about the person is revealed in the present moment. It's a different, what, what's the word? Um, not zone. It's just a different world. It's a different, a different way of state. being. A different, thank you, David. It's a different state. That's the, it's a different state and it's also a different way of being. And it's a way of being that I really love, but it's also very challenging because it goes against my, the grain I was brought up with. Who wants to live in the world of unknown where you don't know what you're doing and you don't know how, you have no reassurance and no, uh, what's the word? Um, system that 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 you that can calibrate whether you're getting it right or wrong there's just no such thing as that it's a state of being with another person and being humble enough to admit that you don't know anything about them except what you're willing to listen to right now feel respond to smell and the official, JR used to say, the officials will tell you what 
what they need. And I used to sit in the back of the room thinking, this sounds like a fairy tale. These in, invisible beings called officials, but it's true. It is, it is utterly true. It's as true as acupuncture points are real. I mean, there's some people in the world that don't believe that something invisible on our bodies called acupuncture points exists. But if, if, you, if you, you know they exist, you've seen the, you see the, the responses when you treat somebody. So I, don't, I hesitate to use the word magical because it, it sort of puts a funny spin on it, but it is magical in the true sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Judy, JR, I heard through video archives of his lectures and so many times others, he would say to reawaken our senses. And is that part of, you mentioned the odor aspect. Are the other senses part of this state or way yes. of consciousness? Yes, because, yes. The, because the color and also the emotion and the sound, people want to try to find easy shortcuts, for instance, to figure out sounds and they listen to the radio and all of this. That is not, that's, that's very superficial. The sounds are what's inappropriate from a person. It's not a clinical technical exercise to analyze someone's sound. What we're doing is we're being an instrument to notice what is inappropriate emotionally and sound from the person. And it has nothing to do with their narrative, their words, but see, it's so easy to jump on it. If someone says, oh, well, I, I feel vulnerable in my relationships, your mind is gonna automatically go like, it's gonna be led. But the resistance to that is to come back to now. That's a narrative. And although the words you can, you can easily associate with something element-wise, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dangerous trap. So instead what of listening to yes. the words in the narrative, you're listening to the tone of the voice and to other characteristics of, of the sounds you that someone is emitting? You're listening to everything, but what happens is, if you can imagine, if you are present now, being here now, you're in a neutral state. So your body becomes like a, um, a fluid instrument. You're not attached to anything. So your internal, what's, I'm using my finger. Barometer. Bar needle. No, needle's the wrong word. You know, when you have on a, on a, on a um, radio, you can tune in to certain signals. You're, with the tuning. So, so anyway, you're like, a, you're like an antenna. Yes. And you can't tune in if you're attached internally to a certain outcome. So the, what will happen is you'll be, you're with somebody, you're present with somebody, and your internal barometer will be jarred. And the word JR you would use is you're jarred. But if you're, if you're fixed already on an outcome or you have an agenda or you have a program for how you're gonna figure somebody out, you're not a fluid instrument. You're not, so, being, so it's almost counterintuitive. It's like go in and be with the patient. Be, you're scared as heck because you're in the unknown and be relaxed. Be relaxed and be okay with it. It's a practice though. It's really a practice because it's counter to what we've been taught. So when you are in that state of being unhooked, what will come across from the person will jar you. And it's the official speaking to you. And the person may show anger without even ever using the word anger. The content of what they share with you may be irrelevant to what you're actually hearing from them. And the color, the color doesn't lie and the odor doesn't lie. So here's the thing, we can't, we are so attached to the narratives and the words people say, we've all been taught with all due respect, Jerry used to say, we all lie. We don't lie deliberately, but what we're taught as children is to put on a good face, um, say the right thing. You, you, you learn how to manipulate the world you're living in so that people will like you. You know, when someone says to you, how are you feeling? Most people don't really want to hear you tell them how you're really feeling. So you go, oh, I'm doing okay. And then they smile. And you've had this transaction that sort of pleases everybody. 
that's that's a very superficial example. But we learn as children how to get get by, or how it's not even how to get by, but how to live safely in the world. And by safely, it means without criticism or without being um, squashed. Um, you know, we just we learn ways of managing who we really are and being free and being at peace and being at one with who we are is a whole different. You know, I had fantastic parents. I really did. And they were limited by their upbringing. So they thought that the best thing they could give me was an education and to teach me how to to excel scholastically. My brother's a doctor. I went to law school. My mother was a lawyer. My dad was a surgeon. I mean, in terms of profiles, that, that ticks a lot of boxes. The box that doesn't tick is internal well-being. Are you at peace? Are you, or do you feel at one with in your life? And it wasn't that they didn't teach me that. It's that, that it wasn't something that was taught easily. And even religions get skewed. I mean, I don't know many formalized religions that teach anything other than scripture. That's why the danger in five element acupuncture is that to start preaching that scripture is the, is the only source. That's like saying to be a good Christian, you, you only can know the Bible or to be a good Jew, you can only know the, the, the Torah. There are some who say that, but the, the message in all scripture is to love each other and to love what you've been given and to love the source of creation. That's the, that's the, that's the bottom line message. So you can have all the scripture in the world, but if we miss that, then we've missed, we're missing, we're missing the heart of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't, again, I don't, Oh God, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm so not sure sorry. if there was one, Jude, but this is, this is great. I think you said something about, I don't know what you said, but well, anyway, I hope I covered your question. And it's, as I said before, we've been hit record, I like to go into kind of a flow state in the podcast. So I find if I have expectations, it, it brings me out of the present moment. So I'm fascinated by what you just shared about JR and his clinical acumen and his ability to go into this. To, to be to exist in this flow state because as you as we all know it's so contrary to kind of modern ways of being modern states of being and what we're taught we need to be focused and we need to have we need to set our goals and have our expectations and, and always perform perform, perform well. exactly we are we are human beings but i really think we should be called human doings because we're always doing 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 and we're rarely ever just being and it sounds like jr was such a special individual that he could just be and in that state of being that state of pure consciousness he was connected to spirit he was connected to his uh, the people around him his patients his students and he was able to then touch people on a whole different level than what most Touch people some can do. people on a whole different level annoy some people <laughs> dis Which... disappoint some people he it, it it comes in all i don't want to paint him as this perfect but he he definitely definitely was pointing to yeah it, and what i can experience is what really matters and he but i just wanted to mention that what he he taught consistently is that the key to all of this is humility and that's what he looked for. That's why the Master Apprentice Program was all about showing humility. And if if you could be, if you could keep returning to the humble state. And he taught that the best teachers in the world were children and animals. Yes, yes, on both little accounts. children. He says before we condition them, it's he just little children. And, and animals. I have my most profound experiences as a practitioner. I've been with children and animals and the most educational experiences I, I've ever had. So I agree wholeheartedly with that. There's just this pureness of energy. There's not been any sort of indoctrination into 
you must be this way with children and animals. And so there's just that flow. They are in that flow state. They are purely that state. So many amazing things. Thank you for sharing. Uh, with the reawakening of the senses, as you mentioned, David, and with the, the importance of smell, Jude, are these, I presume these are things that are then very important to teach within the lineage that you're teaching. Is that correct? Oh, yes. We, we teach them and we, it, we practice developing our depth of awareness. We're mm -hmm. having a master apprentice program in what, three weeks, David, in England? And these are all senior practitioners who will be coming. And we're all challenged. We work together, we see patients, they, they treat each other. And it's a constant process of, of, of um, refining our skills. And David, wouldn't you say over the years, don't you feel that you've developed a deeper and deeper sense of uh, being with people and knowing that mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're um, recognizing the, the odor and the color and the sound and the emotion in yeah. a deeper way? We sometimes call it rapport as a, in a way, an avenue to use those senses or to continue to refine those senses but the rapport's with myself yes. it's not a, something that i'm doing a technique that i can uh, use for someone else but that level of comfort with myself that level of insight and rapport with myself is is that avenue as you mentioned judy and in talking with you about JR, it, it seems so apparent that his comfort with being with such a diversity of patients was just that comfort with himself or that relationship with himself. He used to say, leave yourself outside the room. And I didn't know what that meant for a very long time, but I, I know what he was saying that he, and I say, How, what do you mean by that? How do you do that? And he'd say, focus on helping the person. When you focus on helping the person, you're not aware of your own. He didn't use the word baggage, but I would use the, the word baggage. He, and he, his focus was immense. He, he just was riveted on what the person was presenting to him and what's going on and what's needed. And that focus means you, you can't focus on what, what's in front of you and be paying attention to what your mind is rattling on about. You, you do have to make a choice. And it's such a liberating choice. That's why I say this practice is my spiritual path because I love practicing. It gives me so much. I love being with patients and I love being with other practitioners. I, I love it. It's, it's, it's a way of evolving my own, um, what's the word, state of awareness or state of being conscious because, you know, oh God, I live as this human being a lot of the times, do, as you said, Todd, doing, 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 getting caught up in this, the surface of life, paddling around and it feels like I'm paddling around in the surface of life, trying to juggle all the demands and to just keep it all afloat. And that's okay but sometimes I do it in a way where I forget what's inside of me. I'm so attentive to the, what's going on out there that I forget about what's inside and what's inside is so incredible. I was listening to one of my teachers today. I have a teacher, his name is Satchananda and we had Satsang this morning. And he, what he was saying is we spend our lives trying to working so hard for other people to love us. He said, but when you, fall in love with who you really are he said that's the greatest love affair you'll ever have you you love yourself more than you realize that you love yourself more than anybody else in the world could possibly ever love you so you stop working at trying to get other people to love you because you're in love already so that it just it's it's so true but it's also so true that we don't live it or I don't live it a lot of the time, I get distracted. So um, 
There so you are. beautiful. I so hope profound. I... Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't want it to sound like it's just, it, I don't want it to sound like it's at the risk of sounding airy fairy. It's very grounded work. Oh, I mean, it it's is. very yeah. down to earth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm and... so grounded. I think sometimes that I'm subterranean. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, and I'll say that so many of the people who I've been deeply influenced by acupuncturists in general, many who I've interviewed on this podcast, they cite JR and his teachings and his his clinical um, genius as being core to who they have become as practitioners and how they have a, how they have not just as practitioners, but as people, how they have evolved as people. He has inspired so many. His work is tremendous. Thank you guys so much for continuing to carry on his lineage and his legacy and to share this gift with the world. As I mentioned to you before we started, I've got a hard stop today because I got to get to an event for my kids you listen your children are first and foremost so you enjoy the performance but i would if you're if you're open to what i would love to do uh, another part to this if you want i feel like we've only just like barely even scratched the surface on where we could go with this and i would love to just open up the stage and hear more of these amazing stories and experiences and i feel i feel like i've learned so much in the past hour just listening to this so thank you you know todd i think that you've brought something so special to this. I want to thank you for mm-hmm. how you've been present. It's just been a joy talking to you. Yes, I thought this I was going to, I had a list. I did have an agenda. David and I were like, <laughs> what should we cover? I want to make sure that I could. And I haven't Our even pages. looked at it because it's just been such a thrill talking to you. So enjoy oh, your you. children. And I'd love to be with you again. Thank I'd love you. to do this. I will say that I sit down with a blank piece of paper always for these so I can make notes and I started to make my first note and found out my pen was out of ink. So it was pushed <laughs> aside and thought, we're in the flow. <laughs> That's really good. I like that. Well, I, I'm going to get to throw my piece of paper away now. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we sign off, can you please give us uh, some places where listeners can learn more about the Worsley Institute, any of the work that you guys are doing, anything that you want to put out there for people to hear about? Let's, let's get that information out before we sign off. To learn more about the Worsley Institute, the best avenue is the website. So that's www.worsleyinstitute.com. And you can always email me at president at worsleyinstitute.com. And I'm happy to tell you more about um, how to get involved with Worsley Institute. And we also have a new aspect of Worsley Institute called Worsley Institute Service to the Earth. And that's uh, wise, wise, which is a place close to all of our heart is that we do have this planet that we live on and how do we bring people together to enjoy and also support and protect the earth the best we can. So um, on the website, you can access information about wise and our new project there too. Great. Thank you for that. Jude, do you want to any, add anything to that? No, I, I'm reachable through through the Institute. Okay. I'm I'm just a little old lady living in England. Doing my, <laughs> the, I'm the backup crew of this. My, my mission in life now at the age of 74 is to do my best to leave everything in safe hands, which I'm, I know with David and the others at the Worsley Institute, it's going to happen. This work is going to, is going to great flourish. So again, yes. thank you, Todd. It's, it's really you. been nice being with you. It was great hanging in there till we could get to this point. So thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. It's been we an agree. absolute pleasure and honor for me to do this. So thank you both. And I look and I'm forward jealous to of doing you it again. Costa Rica. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's, if I was going to move anywhere, it would have been to Costa Rica. Oh, yes. Well, it is amazing. Okay. Very fortunate. Thank you, guys. We'll be in Take touch care. soon. Another time soon. Look forward to it. Thank you. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Judy Becker Worsley and David Berkshire. To learn more about Judy and David, visit the Worsley Institute at WorsleyInstitute.com. That's W O R S L E Y Institute.com. 
www.chinesemedicinepodcast.com. If you feel drawn to the study of Chinese medicine, the School of Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine at Pacific Rim College offers world-renowned multi-year programs, including world's first study options, combining acupuncture with Western herbal medicine and holistic nutrition. Visit pacificrimcollege.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to check out our online education in Chinese medicine by exploring the amazing course offerings at pacificrimcollege.online, including many courses featuring other guests of this podcast. Sign up for our newsletter to receive special offers on our newest releases. If you are interested in receiving clinical services on holistic nutrition, herbal medicine, and acupuncture in Chinese medicine, the student clinic at PRC provides more than 7,000 annual treatments. Live holistic nutrition and herbal medicine consultations are both available online, while acupuncture and Chinese medicine treatments can be had at our Victoria campus. Free treatment options are available in all areas. Visit the student clinic at pacificrimcollege.com for more information and to book your appointment. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give it a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you are using. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, explore the world from a different perspective by reawakening your senses.